Greetings, soul sisters, spiritual brethren, and non-binary siblings. This is the Queer Ritual Podcast, a place to discuss healing, spiritual practices, guided meditations, and self-empowerment with a queer-minded focus. Allies are welcome, too. I'm your host, Ricky B. Malone. My pronouns are he, they. I'm a Reiki master, intuitive healer, and master esthetician based out of the East Coast of the U.S. My goal with this podcast is to empower others to discover their true selves and live the lives they truly want. So I wanted to read an excerpt of an article I stumbled upon recently and then offer my thoughts. The article is on the blog site them, them them.us. I'm going to include a link to this article in the show notes. The article's titled, Does the Glass Ceiling Affect Gay Men? A New Study Says Yes. This article's by Abby Monte. The glass ceiling doesn't just affect women. Gay cis men can feel its effects too. A recent University of Sydney study found that more traditionally feminine presenting gay men may be more likely to get passed up for leadership roles in the workplace. In the study, which was published in the journal Sex Roles, researchers asked 256 Australian men, half gay and half straight, to help cast a gay man as an admirable leader representing Sydney in a faux tourism campaign. The participants, who were unaware of the subject of the study, watched audition tapes of six white gay shortlisted candidates. In the videos, the actors read from a short script in a manner where their voice and body language was manipulated to come across as either masculine or feminine presenting. Afterwards, participants were asked to vote for the candidate they thought people would most think of as a leader. Both gay and straight men significantly favored the more traditionally masculine-presenting gay candidates over the more feminine-presenting candidates. As the study points out, this could be attributed to the think-manager-think-male stereotype, in which people tend to subconsciously associate leadership qualities with masculine characteristics. The logic helps perpetuate stereotypes that gay men are feminine and therefore perceived as less equipped to occupy higher status positions in social hierarchies such as the workplace. That is just an excerpt of the article, so if you want to read the rest of the article, you can find that in the notes to this episode of the podcast. So let's dive into what's going on here in this study and in this article. First, let me define what the glass ceiling is. So I define the glass ceiling as the upper level promotions that a person is not able to get because of various internalized biases in the workplace, and then the resulting income gap that results from that inability to get promoted. So typically we think of the glass ceiling as affecting women because there are certain positions that just have never been filled by a woman, like, you know, the president of the United States, for instance. That would be an example. We've never had a woman president in the U.S. So it definitely applies to women. Let's get that out of the way. But I think what this study is starting to show is that misogyny and femphobia are intertwined with each other. So misogyny is the hatred of women, whereas femphobia can mean two different things. It can mean the hatred of women and feminine presenting people. But then femphobia can also mean the hatred toward effeminate gay men within the gay community. 
And femphobia seems to be what's affecting the gay men in this study. The study participants had no issue suggesting a gay male spokesperson for this ad campaign if it was a masculine presenting gay man. But the moment he was femme presenting is when it started to be seen as not the best candidate for the job. So the the study, one thing I found interesting in this study was that both the straight men participating and the gay men participating had this bias against the feminine presenting gay men. You know, sometimes straight men do have these unspoken biases against homosexual uh, tendencies. You know, like for instance, men prefer talking in a lower register. Uh, One of the differences between a gay male voice and a heterosexual male voice is the variance in pitch. Uh, Straight men tend to keep their pitch relatively stagnant there isn't as much variance between the highest notes of their speech and the lowest notes of their speech whereas gay men our voices are a lot more expressive and it tends to be coded as more feminine because of the variance in pitch women don't have that same restriction on their speech that men do generally speaking and it's one of those things that men do it to themselves that men don't want to be seen as gay so they've they make sure that their pitch won't be read as gay. It's it's pretty much unconscious that men are even doing that. But there's other things that go along with that as well. It's like, you know, men that don't want to wear pink, men that don't want to get their ears pierced, men that don't want to wear too much jewelry, men that don't want to have their hair done too nicely, don't want to be too polished because then someone might think they're gay. Let's talk about those biases, right? Like they, they do exist. And you know, there there are instances where people who have views like that don't view themselves as homophobic, yet they're still reinforcing these biases against gay men or against effeminate men. And that's where I think the word femphobia is important, because it's not just hatred against women, it's hatred against feminine people. But that femphobia word had that second definition about the uh, the discrimination of effeminate gay men within the gay community. And that most definitely exists as well. And in certain regards, I'm even guilty of this. When Rick and I went on our first date, I remember quite vividly that when he began to speak, I just immediately fell in love with his voice because his voice was straight passing. My voice is not straight passing. Uh, I mean, I've heard some I've had some offhand comments from other people, I mean, gay and straight, saying like, oh, you don't really have a gay voice. You have more of an androgynous voice. And I mean, I I, I do think that's somewhat true. Uh, people can tell that I'm gay by my voice, but I don't necessarily have some of the stereotypical uh, tendencies of a gay male voice. But anyway, there absolutely are certain biases within the gay community towards effeminate men. You ask most gay men what kind of men they're attracted to, and one of the most common words you will hear is masculine. I like masculine men. Or I've even heard statements like, I'm a man who loves men. I'm not a man who loves girly men. And that's something we all need to unpack because we're reinforcing certain gender norms when we make statements like that. 
And these biases against effeminate men or just gender nonconforming people in general will also perpetuate biases against transgender people or against non-binary people because we're essentially saying that the socially acceptable range of behaviors for one sex or another is just this one little box. Anyone else who is outside of that box, they're a freak, right? And there has been this increase in transphobia in America, most definitely, over the past year. And that's also starting to bleed over into more instances of homophobia as well. You know, there was that shooting at the end of last year. And for us to truly unpack the amount of femphobia that's going on towards men and women, there's a lot of things that we need to recognize are not fair. Um, I think a really glaring example is there are double standards in fashion. So most outfits that are coded as male or masculine can be worn by women and it's socially acceptable. But the reverse is not true. When a man wears a dress, it just always causes a controversy. Most recently, it was Sam Smith at the, at the Grammys. Um, but I remember a few years ago when Harry Styles wore a dress in a magazine photo shoot. And both those instances caused all this discourse around like, I lament the time. It's like, I, I miss the time when men were men and women were women. Or, or what is it with how men don't know how to be men anymore? And it's, it's not fair. For us to truly achieve gender equality, we have to be able to give freedom of expression to both men and women and to the nonconforming people that are part of our communities because that's true freedom. If there are outfits that you can't wear or professions that you can't seek for gender-based reasons, then that's not gender equality. Feminism has done a lot of work to break the mold of what is socially acceptable for women, and that work hasn't been done for men yet. Men men do undoubtedly hold all the power politically in the world, but the box of what is a socially acceptable behavior for a man is it, it is it is small the take it at the workplace for instance like what are the socially acceptable outfits that men can wear at the workplace versus women there are less socially acceptable outfits that men can wear in the workplace it's slacks button down shirt maybe a polo shirt uh some businesses it'll even be tie and a suit jacket right uh these things while they might come from a view of like, oh, this is professional or this is how you show your status in this profession, it's still restrictive. The clothes you are wearing at work have no bearing on the quality of your work and how qualified you are for your position at work. I myself, I've definitely faced these biases before. I've most recently, I got called the... uh, this was last summer. It was back in June or July. 
I was walking down the street and I had suspenders on that day and a work van just pulled right up to me. Guy rolled down his window. He yelled the six letter F word that rhymes with maggot and he drove off. And I knew partially it was because of my outfit because straight men don't really wear suspenders that often. (laughs) I had shorts and suspenders, I guess I should say. That was a look. I mean, I liked how I looked in that outfit, but that was an outfit that broke the norm of like what's socially acceptable for a man to wear in the summer and someone called me out for it. And that's not okay. If we want to like truly say that we're a free country, then there's certain freedoms that we take for granted. And to truly progress as a society, we need to unpack these biases and we need to look within ourselves. I I mean, regardless of who you are or what you identify as, recognize in yourself the examples of femphobia that you share. And this ultimately would achieve freedom for women too. I'm not, I'm not just talking about men's issues here, even though this study that started this episode was one on, on men and gay men in particular. Because there are professions where when you envision who is the person that's qualified for it, you envision someone that is strong and composed and well-dressed and put together. And that usually means man, usually means male, it usually means straight male. And when women work in professions that are masculine dominant, they have to take on certain masculine traits to succeed. And that basically is also saying that women who haven't taken on those masculine traits aren't qualified for those jobs either. So, you know, this is this is an issue that affects both sexes. This femphobia problem affects both sexes. We should be celebrating the people among us who break gender norms because they represent true freedom and true progress as a society. We should be celebrating the female power lifters just as much as we should be celebrating the stay-at-home dad. We should be celebrating the poets, the artists, and the sensitive people among us, especially the sensitive men. Because a sensitive man is a man who's in touch with his emotions. A man who sticks to these rigid ideas of masculinity usually is not very emotionally aware because he isn't giving himself the chance to feel. He, isn't give, he sees these things as weaknesses when they're actually strengths. And that's not freedom. These little biases on an individual level will then aggregate on the societal level into institutionalized oppression. That's what the glass ceiling is. It's on a small scale, individual people saying, that person's not qualified for that job because they're weak, or that person's not the right fit for that job because they're they're effeminate. What does that say about our company if we have that person in charge? But these things aggregate into institutionalized oppression because then you create this income gap. You create these disparities. And the only way to fix these disparities 
is for each of us individually to acknowledge our unconscious biases. If you wish to contact me directly or have your question featured in a future episode of the podcast, you can send me an email at tqrpodcast at gmail.com or find me on Instagram, tqrpodcast, or my personal Instagram, Ricky Dementia. That's R-I-K-I Dementia. Thank you for listening. With love and gratitude, signing off.